Zaki really going for it round the turn now. 300 metres to go. Alligator Blood sticks with him. And they're toe-to-toe. Two legs home. Thunderstruck. Animo to the middle of the course. Then Benno. Zaki. Alligator Blood. What a race at the 150. I'm Thunderstruck wearing them down. And Animo is starting to come now at the 100. Here comes Animo over the top with I'm Thunderstruck. Who's lifting Animo? Six group ones. A big one. Beat I'm Thunderstruck. Zaki for fourth photo. It's about time we got to play a Matt Hill call after all the garbage we get from overseas in UK <laughs> and Ireland. Well, scathing in comparison to Matty Hill. Pre-race was plenty of hype around the race and I think it certainly lived up to it, especially with the a bit of theatre with Animo wobbling around the turn. He looked in trouble and then he's picked up to run down some good ones and there was nothing between them ratings-wise going in and going out, nothing between them. Yeah, so Animo, highest rated horse going into the weekend, highest rated horse coming out of the weekend anywhere in the world and I did a quick global skim without fully interrogating particularly the US a lot to interrogate there, but I, I don't think anything has outrun Animo over there. The winner of the Keeneland Turf Mile was into the 120s, but 125 for Animo and very easy race to handicap. A 125 horse beats two 124 horses by a pound. Has it done anything to shape your views of the Cox Plate? No, only raise the excitement, if you like. As a, I think we were saying last week, it's the, the Cox Plate of all the big races. It's the one that's shaping up best. Yep. I don't think this did did it any harm. The one thing we still didn't get and that the Cox Plate will surely and hopefully give us is a strong pace. Yep. Because there was talk, you know, Zaki will put it on. Talk, we were saying it (laughs) pre-race that, you know, Zaki will pour it on a little bit more here. Thunderstruck was obviously closer and and better ridden and and ran to his best. We still didn't get a strong pace. They finished fast. So it was a, you know, a steady gallop for horses of this quality anyway. To the to the six hundred and and then they really ripped on home, but they did rip home. That's the. It's not as if it was a, a slow time with a, you know, evenly run. It was they were ripping home over a fair time, overall. So we still haven't seen it in a really high pressure situation, and I think every good match deserves a rematch, and we'll we'll get one in two weeks. And we've got the international horse with the big form lines, El Bodegon, who stays a mile and a half and is an on speed sort of horse as well. So hopefully he can play his part in in making the Cox Plate a true test. The interesting thing with Animo, we touched on, he wobbled round the bend, looked in trouble and then was able to pick him up and win. Does that mean they can't turn the tables, given if he gets it all right, Cox Plate Day? I don't think narratives, like cute little narratives like that work, do they? He got, I mean, Paul Laley, 40 minutes before, caught one right across the snout and then that was literal and then I think Animo caught one right on the chin here figuratively, when the pressure went on, as I said, not a strong pace, but when the pressure went on, it went on properly. And I think he probably got a little bit of a shock and sprawled a little bit like, whoa, hang on, and then built himself up and, and flexed late on. So that's a you know, great effort to, to wear one on the chin like that when they accelerate. And as we, we touched on, he'd come off two very soft runs yeah. in Sydney. So, yeah, that was I think it was probably as much – I mean, we can pretend that it was this, it was that. But it, to me, I think he – he might have got a little bit of a shock to the system with how quickly that race changed and, and what he was actually up against there. His equals, essentially. He was in the right pool of horses this time and, um, yeah, he did, a, he did a terrific job. He's such a likeable horse. Yeah. And he's um, people very quick to, as I said, people probably still too quick to, to want to sort of, people are desperate. I think it's a thing of the day and age, or maybe it isn't. Maybe they've been doing this for decades and centuries. But You've just started paying attention. 
Yeah, probably. People are desperate to sort of label him. Oh, he's got to be the best or he's got to be – well, he's just animo. He's really good. Yeah. But he's obviously not running the sort of form that Nature Strip does or anything like that. So you, when, when you start trying to say he's the best horse in Australia, it's obviously nonsense. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think you could obje- – you can't objectively say that. It depends also what you mean by best. And he does – he's got a much more versatile range of distances than, than Nature Strip. He goes on any ground. There, there's a lot to like. There's a lot to like. So maybe he's the coolest horse in Australia. I couldn't say that he's the most talented, but he's very cool. He is. He is. And, you know, tick that box. He finally beat good horses away mm. from that Cox Plate. Yeah. And as James Jordan pointed out on Twitter, the only real downside to all of this was he strained his hat. <laughs> <laughs> You're off the hat? Oh, it doesn't even fit right. He could be one of the funniest people around, James Cummings, taking the absolute piss out of everyone. Yeah, if we he, don't even realise if his whole shtick is a is a joke. Oh, how good is it that he's having with himself? Yeah, <laughs> what a champion! He's something like a champion trainer as well, though. And the racing and sports power rankings was a big weekend for James on the power rankings. Mm. We said that on the show on Friday that, um, you know, I mean, of course, he was bringing a lot of good colts to the races on Saturday, so he's obviously a lot of chips on the table. Very interested in in winning good Group One races, but he would have certainly had an eye to the racing and sports power rankings, where his place at the top was. Only narrow, but it's strong now. Yep. So we've rerun the power rankings. They're updated on the racing and sports site. And he's now, he's gone from 29-point lead as Australia's number one trainer to 133-point lead. And there's 125 points covering second to 12th. If that's right, you know, it doesn't matter what the points actually mean, but what it... The spread. The spread is interesting. There's a there's a bigger gap now from James to second than there is from second to 12th, where there's a, a big cluster. So he's almost got now a J-Mac-like hold on the trainer rankings, which is interesting. J-Mac, of course, even more dominant on the week after the weekend's results in group races. So he'd be happy with that. But the hat, I might actually build a variable into the model. Hat off. Hat off. Like he's, he's got to slide some points for that hat. <laughs> <laughs> which actually, I mean, we could roll this in as well. So the flop of the week, Yep. while we're all praising James for his wonderful training, but the flop of the week could well be the hat. But we'll give it to him anyway for Zapateo. Mm. But it's body of work. It's the hat and Zapateo. Mm. It's the combination. Yeah. Zapateo was carrying the hopes of uh, many, many cr- blue-jacketed Maltese and crashed and burned in the last. And she was proper 12 pounds off her form actually in the last. So that's a she's a good um, – she qualifies very, very well for the flop of the week. Even though, I mean, she's run fourth in a group race and they probably don't think it's a complete disaster. But it is. Because the race was won with a rating of 107 by the Winter Championships form. How happy were you? I was thrilled to see Except it. Except it smashed you out of the quaddy. Yeah, did me no favours, but thrilled. So literary magnate, thrilled for her to win, but she's run to 107 and Zapateo can run to a higher level than that. So she's disappointed. I think a lot of people's candidate for flop of the day might have been I wish I win, but I don't think he was far off his form and time form ratings will tell you he wasn't at all. So there you go. One for the old weight dogs. Cop that speed, guys. What you make of the guineas? Before we go, on to other things. So the time figure was, that was not a low, low pressure race, but they were finishing quickly again, but not quickly enough to overcome a time figure in the 90s. And then when you see the the spread of margins is reflective of a pretty slow time and a a pretty ordinary race. Osipenko was finishing well. Um, Is he the run of the race? I feel like, well, I suppose he's something like that. It feels to me like it's a race, absolutely, as it probably looked going in, it's a race loaded with good ones, but probably no top-notch ones. There probably isn't a superstar in there. 
No. There's plenty of horses with upside and, and superstars have started from more humble beginnings than a few of these, but I still don't. If there is a superstar lurking in amongst those, I don't see them yet. Golden Mile, I mean, very <coughs> nice horse, and so is Elliptical, really nice horse, but superstars they are not. No. Well, Aft Cabin's Prelude win with me will rate higher than the Guineas itself. So that's interesting, is it? That is interesting. Maybe it is. Yeah. I'll tell you what else is interesting is rolling back to James before. I was going to mention this. He took four Colts, and that's his game. Caulfield Guineas Day is one of their days. They've got the big ring around that one on the calendar. It's high-profile day. It's a real Colts day. He takes four Colts to Caulfield. Yep. And the only one that gets beaten gets beaten by another one of his Colts. Not a bad day. That's not a bad day at the office. Palili win his way to being top seed, Manicato? Uh, without thinking about what else might be there, sure. I mean, it feels like it's all part of a grand plan. Paul Lely avoiding the Sydney Sprint Series and, and sticking to Melbourne and nothing um, nothing wrong with what he's done so far. So of the top ten performances Australia-wide on Saturday, eight of them come from the might and power, all eight horses, yep. and then two from that race, which is Paul Lely and the now mountain-bound ingratiating who steals the spot of Kementari and Glynn, which is just really upset me. Maybe they're keeping Kementari fresh for the pinnacles. Maybe they don't want the great theatre of Kementari climbing the mountain to get in the way of the theatre of James's hat collection. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it was that bad a hat. You're a you're big, you're big anti on the hat. No, part of me thinks it's wonderful, as long as he's in on it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I hope he is. As I said, he could be the funniest man in racing, James Cummings. The Colin Morikawa, big, big weekend for this jockey because not only did he notch up his first group one, but bags of Morikawa. I mean, the honours keep flowing for Jared Fry. I reckon he, winning that group one, gets so much goodwill from the Victorian bush punters who have known all about Jared Fry and his skills for a long, long time. And he is a classic, uh, if you ask anyone who bets in the Vic Bush, They'll all say the same thing. If he got more chances, yeah, everyone knows that he is a terrific jockey who doesn't make a lot of mistakes, if any. He's, and that is exactly what he did on Tuvalu. It's a, he, this is a terrific Morikawa. It even looked the part. And it's winning a big group one. So often, you know, the, well, the big honourable mention is Linda on dashing at 100 to 1 in the Caulfield Guineas. Out of its skin. Out of its skin, but given the perfect ride to do so. And often the Morikawa will go to a good losing ride. And in a sense, that's what the award's about. You want to give it to the most efficient ride, not the one that you know wins and gets the golf clubs. But gee, Jared Fry's golf clubs and the Morikawa, isn't he? Yeah. Perfect. And statistically, I mean, he's having a great run. As I said, a lot of guys will, will tell you exactly how good Jared Fry is in the country. But horses that he switches on to that he hasn't been riding the start before over the last six months have improved median, three pounds, and he's having an impact of 1.6 winners per expected winner. So that's over a six-month period. Good sample of rides because he rides plenty. That's terrific stats. Yeah. The, the guy is getting some reward for effort here, particularly in the form of a Colin Morikara award. Which is what he really wanted. <laughs> Absolutely. The Pendrith, which jockey got it wrong, and we did flag this up on the preview show. They were going to ride this horse quiet to make sure he'd run out the trip. And as a result, Craig Williams, Jags, the Taylor Penrith Award, slaughtered to instructions, Mr. Brightside. He's, this is the second Penrith for Mr. Brightside and Craig. This one feels a little bit more justified, given that we gave the first one to him when he won by five. 
but he's left Mr. Brightside to do a hell of a lot of running late on. But as you say, he was almost instructed to, wasn't he? Mm. Although before we get too kind to Craig and say, well, it's not your fault, Craig, you were just doing what you were told, he's right on Macram in the, uh, well, we should come to expect this now, the Herbert Power, of course, was the weekly staying farce in Melbourne. No pace whatsoever. Completely non-competitive race. The staying scene in Melbourne at the moment is so up in the air because every race is just turning into a late burn-up. Craig flying home on Macram, so that was a terrible steer. Only, only outridden in that race for inefficiency by Craig Newitt on attorney, and I mean that's oh god, that's, that's not good as well. But Mister Brightside was ridden to stay the trip. He did stay it. Oh, he was finishing full of running. I don't know if that helps them, but he uh, he should run the Caulfield Cup. They're absolutely missing a trick by not running him in the Caulfield Cup, I would say. But the idea that you ride a horse inefficiently in order to stay the trip makes no sense, right? Can we just get that on, on yeah. the record? If, you're gonna, if we're going to say, and I think we are saying, and I think I can prove it with evidence, that changing speed uses energy and exponentially. So therefore, riding your horse slow, fast actually uses more energy and makes staying the trip harder. I mean, you can go down to the park and do it yourself. Yeah, these are, these are bad. It's just bad tactics. But the big news out of the weekend is Craig Williams actually goes now to equal top of the leaderboard with Hugh Bowman on three awards for the Pendrith. Is that right? Yeah. Kieran McAvoy on three currently leads the Morikawa from Jai McNeil and Nashra Willer. With the fast-moving Jared Fry clipping at their heels. If he gets more rides in, big rides on, in town on Saturday, I'd say he'll, uh, he'll be a leaderboard mover there. Get ready. It's time for Around the Grounds. That beautiful Morikawa winning ride was good enough to give Tuvalu, good enough to allow Tuvalu to run the fastest time on the card in the Turak. Far and away the fastest time. As you would, you'd sort of expect that from a Turak. Big helter-skelter handicap. So it should be. The second horse, Laws of Indices, finishes fast, but it was a fast time. So he's entitled to be, you know, everyone really had their chance. I think you could, my read of the, the sectionals is that you could say Laws of Indices was as good as the winner on the day, but it should be a very true piece of form to assess. Do you make anything of any comments to add about the Turak? Tuvalu's, I mean, Pinnacle's pointers, mate. He's going to the railway and I would say no harder to win than this. No, no. He'll go up in the weights obviously for that, but that's a legit group one winning figure from the Turak on the weekend. If he repeats that come later in the year, well, it's a fair defence for Lindsay Smith. Legit group one handicap winning figure. Yeah. Should be said. We're, yeah. we're a ways away. Like he's not away for age. Yeah. No. Animo's run 125. He's run 116. So that we're, we're operating in a different pool. Yeah. But he's doing a good job of it. Where does that fit in terms of the group one handicaps? The Epsom was. So the, it's about the same as the Epsom. The Epsom, they dead heated running 117 apiece. Yeah. So basically the, the same sort of form as, as that. So that's where that's at. I wish I win was the slight disappointment, but I assume he is still eagle bound. He will be now. There was talk he would go to the Cox Plate if he won, or how he won, I should say. He's rated 116 as well. So he's about that good, so he might have been a little bit off his his form. As I said, the time form model doesn't even think that. Mm. And it could well be right. I mean, whenever whenever they get vetted prior, never a good feeling. Yeah. And then they don't perform. So this form will, I assume, there's quite a a few, as you would, again, expect from a Turek. There's quite a bit of four-year-old action up the front end here. Yep. And so they're all probably Golden Eagle bound, I would assume. Although Laws of Indices has already had his shot at the Eagle because he's yep. GB, yep. four-year-old. So he's he's not. But the others, pinstriped, I wish I win, no real knock. No. 
It's funny that 116 is the number that we're talking about here and, and 116 was also we should just quickly fly across the Tasman. La Creek, did you see her win? Yeah. So she ran to 116 as well, which makes her level with Imperatrice. Imperatrice gone too, I think. She was very disappointing there. She still That's two flops in a row. Two in a row. Is she coming over? Not now. No ground excuses there either. Ground was good side of soft, soft side of good, perfect. She might have been maybe the first couple of runs and running on those bogs has taken the wind out of her sails a bit. It's funny because the form around her has held up really well, but she's just tipped right off. But she's got two of those big 116s, but she's been matched here by La Creek, who's a really nice nice mare, and I assume she's Australia-bound. Their yeah. calendar's all out of whack now over there. She'd have to back up this week to run in the what used to be the Celt capital. She won't. I've seen that. Ah, oh, okay. But they're not sure which race in Australia they'll come to. Is there a chance of the bonus for the Mai for her? By winning on the weekend. Is that a Maya uh, bonus race? Maya bonus? I don't know. I'm not fully up to date with my Maya bonuses. I've got the calendar running next to my desk, of course, where I tick off all the Maya bonus horses as they come along, but I've, I've not updated my calendar this morning. Because there was big bonuses towards that race, wasn't there? There is million-dollar bonuses to try and make sure the Empire rose. We kept going at the Maya. That's what I'm used to. I'm a David Jones man. Yeah. The Empire, trying to make sure the Empire rose holds up in the face of the Invitational which is a very select field, the Invitational. Oh, horrendous. I'm not sure La Creek's quite... I'm, she wouldn't get an invite, would she? They haven't seen a race, They wouldn't mate. have seen that over in New Zealand. But it's funny, it, when I was looking at this before as well, it's funny how oh, we're drifting right off here, but the mares are dominant in New Zealand at the moment because the best performances of the year so far, La Creek and Imperatrice both being 116. The 118 horses over there were Levante and Entrevier. Mm. We've seen both of them here. Levante... Yep. Touch unlucky in the new market. We should have won a new market and Rock and Horse did and she's the other one up there from that same Telegraph... Railway, BCD sprint sort of stuff, Tay-Rupper sprint. Yeah, it's interesting. The mares are, are really dominant. The best non-mare in New Zealand this year. Can you guess it? The Chosen One. Really? <laughs> Which probably <laughs> says something about what's uh, Jesus. the Chosen One sort of state and Dark Destroyer. Would she be a niggle back in trip, La Creek? You yeah. had her as a good start. No, no, no. I, think she, I don't think she's going back in trip. I assume that she's – well, she might run in a mile Ray, if she wants to go the Empire Rose, but then maybe she'd go into the – McKinnon slash champion stakes or maybe... No, I mean, if she's eagle-bound, it's back in trip from the Is weekend. she eagle-bound? Is that what we're saying? Well, why wouldn't she be? It's eight million bucks. Oh, uh, yeah. That's a good point. But I just assumed that she was... Um, She just looked a... I mean, I'll tell you what. She'd been thrown up in some quarters as the pre-post bed of the spring in the Coonji. She won't be there, unfortunately. That, surely that backup's off the table. <laughs> I think that'd be logistical errors or issues around that, but which is a great shame. For her, not the Coonji. It doesn't need her. Yeah, I've no, I've no idea where she's going. She'd be half interesting in the Eagle. She'd be more interesting in something else. We're still going around the grounds, aren't we? We've drifted right off to talking about mares in New Zealand. you got to stop me. <laughs> Do you want to tell us anything about Sydney on the weekend where Sky Command ran the best speed figure? No. No. Best of Bordeaux was... I'm uh, not allowed to say what I want to say. Good for <laughs> Then we'll just go straight to Brisbane. Yep, get up there. La Pamier, 103, but the interesting thing about is the speed figure of the day. The interesting thing is, you mentioned this to me, the two-year-old filly that won up there, Miss mm. Cuda. Yep. Well, La Pamier was 20 pounds faster than Miss Cuda, Ooh. who was then 20 pounds faster than Risky Investment, the other two-year-old heat of the day. Okay. Of course, we've got to consider that you know, young horses, it's probably no, not such a bad thing for Miss Cuda to be 20 pounds slower than La Pamier, who's a well-established in the 100 sprinter. Yeah, she's probably promising enough. In fact, the, the two-year-olds have made a... You know, yeah, well, we're on the two-year-olds. The first winner at Caulfield looked pretty smart. Looked very finally, smart. Finally, have we got one? Finally? What do you mean finally? Pre-Christmas, a good two-year-old? Well, we had one. 
I thought the the winner of the Breeders' Plate looked well up to Nick. Oh, I mean, just it just feels like the two-year-old crop's been disappointing for a couple of seasons. Do you yeah, reckon well, we finally got some? This I'm I'm seeing some things that I yeah. like, and King's Gambit is we're seeing some big margin wins, and the yeah, there's a bit of there's a bit of heat underneath King's Gambit. It didn't just look pretty. There's some there's some depth to those figures. So, and yeah, the Breeders' Plate looked good. I, the Gym Crack was competitive and looked fine. Looked probably up to standard as well. So. With the Breeders' Plate, I, I set up to Nick, probably better than that, probably better than average, certainly better than the last few years. So, And King's Gambit is certainly you know, better than what you would probably have expected given the last few years. Bright signs for the two-year-olds. Anyway, Miss Cooter was dominant up in Brisbane as well, so that's something. Yep. But La Pamiere was the speed figure of the day. In Adelaide, it was struck by running to 101 in a heat of both, how's this? The Happy Trail Series and the GTRA Series. Well, that's a big feature win for Struck By. Good horse, well established. And a, a Guineas winner, a classic winner in the past, Struck By. Won the Morphville Guineas a couple of years ago on Adelaide Cup Day from memory. You have a really good memory. Only for horses. <laughs> uh, I forget my daughter's birthday, but on, well, I can tell you what Sepoy ran on Debu. <laughs> um, yeah, Happy Trail and the GTRA Series. Like, phew, what a race that was. Mm. That, Named after two absolute legends. And then we'll roll on to Perth, where you're going to continue to point us towards the Pinnacles. Pinnacles pointers. Pinnacles pointers. And it's Carly's Karma, who's run 105 on the clock there, which is pretty warm. Yep. In a, just in a nothing, well, I shouldn't say nothing, should I? But just in a handicap. But, but that, looks, that looks fringe Pinnacles form to me. Yeah, well, the sectional adjustments from a first up win suggested she could run sort of did you suggest that she was smart on this podcast? I hope I did. <laughs> the sectional markups from her first up win alluded to her being this good. Alluded? <laughs> but her, the fact she's come out and done it at her very next start is very, very good signs. She'll go the Asian Bow Stakes next to try and book her ticket into the railway. So she's 107. You've touched on Tuvalu being 116. She'll obviously get into the race down at the bottom of the weights. But if she can get to that 110 if not a little better, in the Asian Bow, which I think she'll have to to win it. She's on the avenue to the Asian Bow. New series going to the podcast. <laughs> She'd have to be a big chance in that railway. And I think now we're back at Ascot on a Saturday. We're going to see the good ones turn out. Tragedy Star made a return off a uh, long break. To much fanfare. To much fanfare. Waving the flags. as she, There were children lining the uh, enclosure on the way out. Left disappointed. It's fun. I think the problem with Treasured Star is everyone had her way too high in their estimations. And so... She was Arcadia Queen up mm, until Saturday afternoon, wasn't she? Yeah, that's the problem. She just wasn't that good. So she ran 104 when she won the WA Guineas. And on the weekend, she's ran 98. So I don't think it's all that bad. I thought she was fine. The barriers sort of dictated where she was going to be in the race. The market knew she was a big drifter, as most anticipated. I think anyone who followed Perth Racing, no one had her as short as what the early market did, given the likely setup and off a long break. But I thought it was a pass mark. It's a second best career run to date, and she's done it first up for the new stable. So in terms of her being favourite for the railway, well, that was just wrong. I think everyone knew that. And how, how are these horses going away from Grant and Alana? Well, terrible. I think the only one is in the Caulfield Cup on the weekend. Smoky little chance there with Inspirational Girl. Well, maybe she's not smoky. She's a pretty household name, Inspirational Girl, but she's a, a Caulfield Cup chance for the Cerise. But they have had a – they set the bar very high. They're very, very good stable. It's one of those things you weren't sure 
So for Bob, he's bred the horses. Pike used to ride them. And then you got Grant and Alana. So what actually was the most important factor yeah. of the three? Yeah. Does the horse make the jockey? Does the jockey make the horse? Does the trainer make the jockey? Yeah. So now Pull it all apart. In fact, mm. it's a wonderful little experiment for nerds. Yeah. And so from the experiments we've seen over our way, taking away the trainer and the jockey, horse can't go. Yeah. The, the trainer looks like they've, they've had some impact there. Mm. And at home we haven't seen as many, but I think Pike Off is massive. I think while many people will be going at him with pitchforks in Sydney of late, I don't think you can ignore his dominance he used to have back home. So he used to get their horses to win from impossible positions. He's also working with them and closely mm. with them. So they're a team and there'd be some, you know, bonus in, in that. Yeah. And the relationship itself would be a, a positive. Yeah. So, so he's lost he's lost Pike, he's lost Grant and Alana, and I think they're now seeing the results. And in fairness to Peter's investment, they were due a bad run. They had the best horse. Three years in a row. And they weren't just good horses. They were like legitimate Australian top five quality. And so many of them he bred himself as well, which is pretty incredible. Yeah, unbelievable. If You know, it is not easy to breed your own horses and, and stay relevant. Yeah. Yeah. So I think he just had a – and he obviously had that bad run of luck. That's, they did have some terrible luck. Terrible luck. But I'd be uh, – To the point where horses were getting struck by lightning. Literally. I know. <laughs> I'd be on the phone to Grant say, please. Take, I thought you were going to say I'd be on the back. phone to God. <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> but, yeah, all heating up. You'll see the good horses start filtering their way back at Ascot in the coming weeks as we head towards the Pinnacles. Tuvalu coming home, so the railway. Coming home? Has he ever been there? Ah, he's, <laughs> he's in the colours. He's in the colours. He's WA. That is just so exciting. What do you got for us this week? I can't focus on anything. With the Coonji, just two sleeps away. Um, so, you know what's so exciting? is the Coonji itself and the fact that we will do a Coonji specific runner by runner. Should we do runner by runner? Why not? Runner by runner. You're going to be doing it, so sure. Runner by runner <laughs> podcast tomorrow. Can you give the... Can you give the listeners a little sneak preview? Who's your, no, who's no, your lean no, at the moment? No, holding it once all I, Once I start, I won't stop. <laughs> No, no, I've been trying to distract myself for three days now since the field's coming out. They shouldn't be allowed to put the fields out like that on a Friday. No. That just ruined the weekend for me. I was in a daze. Absolutely giddy. Remember like a week before Christmas, you could think of nothing, nothing else. It's like you're trying to stay, you're trying to stay in the present. It's Caulfield Guineas Day. It's a beautiful moment, you know. The blue jackets are flying. The sun shines out. It's Caulfield Guineas Day and I'm just staring off into space thinking about the Coonji. Understandable though. Ten group winners in there. There's Ten. a really, really, really nice horse down the bottom too. Is there? There's plenty up the top as well. And we'll cover all that and more tomorrow. And then we'll be back with the preview show on Friday, looking ahead at the Everest. Who's going to run second? We'll talk about that then.